Hello and welcome, everyone. Uh, my name is Jordan Lyon. Uh, here to uh, excited to dive in and connect with Rich and Lisa Marie, and um, and I guess in some frame, in some some ways, uh, interview Rich about his experience hosting a microsolidarity gathering in Denver. Um, would you two each like to introduce yourself briefly? Hi everyone, I'm Lisa Marie Pierre and I am a consultant by day, but an aspiring community builder, I guess, by night. And um, I'm really excited to talk more about the Microsolidarity Gathering. Yep, hi, and I'm Rich. I um, I don't exactly know how to describe my role. I wrote a blog post in 2018 that coined the word Microsolidarity and the blog post got quite popular and not because I'm great, but because it described an experience that lots of people were having and, and I gave it some language. And so I don't, I'm not responsible for all of that activity that's happening out there already, um, but I've got some kind of naming role to play and I'm a convener. I, I say, let's do an event and people show up. So that's, um, yeah, those are the hats that I'm wearing today. Beautiful. I remember the first time I saw Microsolidarities, uh, that, that, that uh, I don't want to call it white paper, that, 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 uh, that sharing. Um, and I think what connected with me right away was this resonance of the fractaling out of belonging and finding it first of, of the integration of ourselves and all of our parts and feeling that and then thinking about as that scales into other groups and uh, larger groups and whether in one-on-one -on -one relationships and in small groups and uh, communities and collectives, and then um, eventually thinking of the scale of the world and um, um, and belonging as once again um, the integration of each individual, um, helping us all feel seen and heard, and that sense of belonging and that each part of the whole is necessary and necessary in their sovereign belonging and we need to bring that all together um, and so i always connected with with that right away and so um yeah just as a quick framing for those um uh that weren't there and just to clarify this was your first event in the u.s correct around kind of micro solidarity rich yeah yeah this past month in october um, about 25 people, I guess, a rough estimate, um, gathered in uh, the Denver area in, uh, on a beautiful piece of land called the Everlands. Um, uh, I think they called it an art park um, and beautiful art installations all over the land, uh, a great um, community retreat space. Um, and we co-created a three and a half day gathering from there. Um, we, um, uh, yeah, together we, um, all shared what we'd like to do each day and we leaned into the messiness of emergence and co-creation and we allowed each other to bring forth different offerings, different conversations, framings, and we danced together. We ate together. We sat around the fire, shared stories. We cried together. It was, um, um, a full human experience um, in all the beautiful ways. Um, and so I think the first question, just invitation, Rich, to share a little bit about the initial vision. Um, I, I think uh, Lisa Marie had shared that there was kind of a pilot or something similar that you hosted in Berlin. 
Um, and the framing for that initial vision, how it's kind of maybe integrated with the journey from that initial um, sharing of microsolidarity into where it is now and um, what was really alive in you as you um, stepped into that role that you naturally do of convening. Mm. Yeah. Um, so like I said, I wrote a blog post in 2018 and that had a, a kind of obvious resonance in the world. And then I started connecting just quietly one-on-one -on -one with people and, you know, in a sort of underground network building way, people that I recognized as practitioners that were doing a kind of community building that was like, yes, that's the thing that I want to be doing that I think I am doing that I'm trying to give language to. And then uh, through the pandemic, it became slightly more visible rather than just underground because uh, especially Nati, my partner uh, and I, we ran some online events. So we call them the micro solidarity practice program. So it's like a couple of weeks, you meet 30 people, you go through four workshops, you know, you have a little taste of some practices and, and a little bit of um, concept download. Um, we did that through, you know, all of the, the zoom era. And then at the what was it, May this year, 2022, we had the first in-person gathering in Belgium, not Berlin, um, in, in this amazing monastery. And that that event is very well documented as well. So if you look on the Microsolidarity podcast, there's a like a two-hour interview with me just going into all of the details about what we did there. And and it was quite different than this one. So So in Belgium, we had... A, a kind of super resourced hosting team. So we had five people, uh, very experienced, very competent facilitator, trainer, uh, counselor people, you know, people that have got experience doing uh, trauma work and, and healing work and that sort of thing. So very, very, like a lot of mastery in that hosting team. And also a lot of trust between the five of us, like very well established relationships. So we kind of know um, how to play to each other's strengths and so on. So like a super hosting team. And that event was was kind of 50-50 between we started in a professional training mode where it's like, here's the expert, they're on stage, they're facilitating a participatory learning experience. Uh, and it's very structured. And these are their learning outcomes that you're going to get. That's the first half. And then the second half is open space, open space technology being a specific practice that we use for co-creating an agenda with everyone that's there. And yeah, I think it was five hosts and 30 guests or, or 32 or something. So like a very high ratio of host to guests. Um, and it was a great event. It was a, it was a marvelous event, um, very deeply connecting and, and, a, and a real deep way for people to learn. But in reflection, the thing that was dissatisfying about it was because there was so much mastery in the hosting team, it felt like we had sucked up all of the opportunities for leadership. It was as, it was as, if, as if the participants were just uh, happy to be hosted, but they weren't really, we didn't really give them opportunities to take ownership of, uh, and to really make the event their own. So they were like kind of going through something that we were holding. Um, and I just knew at the end of that, I didn't want to do that again. Um, I, I, now I'm like, I want to do training sometimes, which is like, here's an expert and they're going to guide a process. And then open space gatherings are a, are a different thing. 
and and trying to blend them it's not really for me i mean i, I could imagine doing a little bit of training but this idea of doing a 50 50 blend doesn't it kind of doesn't doesn't really work for me because the the trainers when you have trainers there they've already established themselves in a position of leadership and expertise in the community and it's very hard to equalize that after that after that kind of power imbalance has been uh, asserted at the start so my vision for the gathering in denver so that so belgium was in may denver was in october um i mean partly it's just there's been this online accumulation of energy and people spending time together and and having little one-on-ones and two-on-ones and writing on discord and it, and i just wanted to get people together you know just to spend a few days together because so much of this so much of what's special about the work of micro solidarity is about the way that we feel when we come together in a certain way and and what is made possible when we feel that way so so i don't know about your experience and i'd love to hear about it but my experience of these kind of gatherings is that i i feel what a, who i am when i feel like i belong and when I feel like I belong, all of these different capacities come online that when I feel isolated or like I don't fit or I'm not welcome, all of those capacities kind of go offline. And of course, not everyone is going to equally feel like they belong. That I've never experienced that in any group, but that we're, we're, we're prototyping the, the social technology to give people that experience of belonging and then see what happens when you feel that. And, and it's much easier to do that face-to-face than online. We've made some progress online, but much easier face to face. So that was the main instinct, I think, was just to get people together and and see what happens um, when they when they feel that fusing of identities coming together a bit closer. And yeah, in contrast to Belgium, I really didn't want to do a training. I really didn't want to have us leading very strongly. I wanted us to 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 go for a kind of minimum minimum viable container holding. You know that we would we would set some very clear ideally would set some very clear expectations and and hold the boundary very clearly and then leave as much free space as possible and not have a very clear distinction between the professionals and the participants you know that it should be it should feel more equal um and then the day before the gathering started two of the three co-hosts dropped out with covid so da, 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 then things change. So I don't know if you want me to go into that immediately or or I should pause and, and ask you next question. No, that um is fine. I could um I guess I could incorporate that into the next question in terms of you um you wanted to develop a, a sense of belonging coming in. And that seems like that might have been like your dream of wild success is like a sense of belonging of the people that gather. But I guess with this wrench thrown into the plan, um, what was it like now building um, new trust with new individuals to help you facilitate this um, this gathering? Mm, good question. I mean, let me say first that I want to be clear. The intention was not that everyone would come to the gathering and feel like they belong to the whole group. And if we were trying to do that, we would have done something different. The intention was that people would find a few people that they really feel an intimate, strong connection to, and that they would leave more able to create the relationships of belonging that they need in their life. Like this is a temporary gathering of people. I don't expect that configuration to ever see each other again in the same in its wholeness. So we weren't trying to fuse that into one one circle of belonging. 
but just to get people moving in that direction where they know how I can go home and stitch together more social fabric around me. So I want to be clear about that. Um, so then, then the, this question about what it was like to have the the, the uh, wrench and the plans, the spanner and the works, it was really distressing for me, extremely distressing. Um, I'm my way of operating as I, you know, as as I illustrated by the the way we did the Belgium, I just I I have like these perfectionist parts. And I'm an engineer and I like everything to be super polished and, and I like things to be flawless, you know, that I want to, I want to design an event where every last little detail has been anticipated and you just, you just step in and it's like, wow, everything's so graceful and easy and just, just no bumps, you know, no, no awkwardness, no bad feelings, just this like perfect smoothness. And this was not available to me <laughs> in this gathering in Denver because, because I lost my team. Um, I don't actually cope very well with change. I'm, I'm, um, let's at least say I'm autism adjacent, maybe is the easiest way to describe it. Like I like things to be in their categories. And I like, if, if a plan has to change, it takes me a while to update like days to update um, before I feel settled in it. So it was, it was very like from the moment that I knew my team was gone, I had 24 hours until we were opening and I spent 22 of those hours freaking out and, and freaking out, meaning like constantly doubting, can I do this? I think I'm going to have to quit. I think we have to pull it off. I can't do this and getting a little bit of help and support. And like you say, we, we built a new hosting team. Like people kind of came out of the woodwork, participants stepped forward and said, I can help. I can hold this, you know? I'm a, I'm a community practitioner. I can hold this with you, Rich. And, and for a minute, I would believe them and say, yes, we're going we're gonna to do this. We're going to be a team. Uh, and then we'd get into it and something would, you know, it wouldn't be perfect the way I, I try and say, hey, can you work on this? Can I delegate this responsibility to, to you? And it wasn't like a, you know, it's like the first time we've met. Of course, that's not going to be like an extremely easy and perfect flow. Um, but it triggered off all of these anxieties and doubts and like, this is never going to work. I don't know how to do this. Just like really, really distressing for me. And literally like moments before everyone showed up, um, Abby, who was one of the co-hosts that stepped up at the last minute, uh, she, she said, and, and not just said, but demonstrated in a way that I could believe and trust and feel the trust in my body. I've got this arrival thing. Like I will be at the front door. I'll welcome people. I'll make sure they know where their room is. And like, what are the, just those baseline, <laughs> those baseline expectations are going to be set and they're going to, I, I'm going to welcome them warmly and they're going to have a good experience when they arrive. Trust me on that. You don't have to be here for that. So that was like a really major chunk of responsibility taken off me. And I could believe that she had it. And then the other thing was Steph, who was the other person who stepped up. She took me aside and said, Rich, I'm, you're getting out of here. We're going for a walk and you're going to deal with your emotions. I'm going to help. <laughs> and then we'll bring you back when you're ready. And so Steph and I went for a walk and she, um, well, basically she did what they say, holding space, you know, actually in reality, she was holding me. She gave me a big hug um, and and just got me to drop all of the, busyness and the like sense of responsibility and all the demands and just drop into how are you feeling man like what's actually going on 
and feel it, feel it. Like how big is that feeling? And it's like, whoa, it's, it's really enormous. And so I had a big cry, you know, this like told her about my fears, um, had a big shudder, like <laughs> shook it off. And literally within 10 minutes, I felt like all of the tension and anxiety and panic was removed, like alleviated. And then 10 minutes later, I had total clarity about what we needed to do. It was like, I'd been so agitated and couldn't think straight for 24 hours. And then just having the right kind of emotional solidarity at the right moment, alleviated all that. And the plan was in front of me and it's like, ah, oh, oh, of course, I know what to do. I've done this 50 times before and this is fine. We're completely fine. It's just not what I expected. Um, so it's obviously a very profound like this is what micro solidarity is. It's about part of it is about co-regulation. You know that like people freak out, <laughs> and we need we need companions, we need witnesses, we need partners, we need therapists, we need friends to like help us come back to our center and co-regulate and and take the load off the practical stuff as well as the emotional stuff. So like that was just such an amazing. Um, it was like living it in practice, and. And then, yeah, then, then I had the experience of like, oh, okay, I'm, I'm arriving with a new team, a new crew in microsolidarity language. Um, I don't like having a new crew, you know, it's awkward. Like there's these bumpy bits and it put, it made me feel like I was on the same level as everyone else who was showing up that they're also sometimes a new crews and they're learning and they've come here to learn something. And so I felt like much more comfortable in my role as a co-learner rather than showing up as the expert who's like, oh, I, I know exactly what I'm doing. I'm very sophisticated. Look at me. It's such a polished performance. So like, yeah, a complete transition in how I usually do things and just, just what the doctor ordered for me. It seems like as someone who wrote Microsolidarity, you had a chance to go through the framework, the scales. So you had that individual self that you had to deal with the emotions and then you moved into like a dyad with Stephanie and then you moved into a crew and had to drop that it's like going up and down and so um I think it's interesting because you say that you're an engineer you like smooth process you like the the system in place so I guess um building on that what worked and what didn't work now that you could step back and bring your engineer mind into the the event mm. yeah um I just want to add a, a nuance to what you just said as well that like I haven't worked out how to explain this really clearly, but it's important to me that when when we're thinking about this stack, like this fractal of of belonging, that the the bottom of the stack is not the individual. The bottom for me, I, it's either the dyad or the small group, and I haven't decided yet. But it's like, it's what I'm getting at here is that there's lots of different methodologies and approaches out there for personal development. There's the you know the whole human potential movement, which was a massive thing, which I don't know. I don't think it reached its potential. <laughs> and, and my complaint with, with a lot of that, um, that whole world is that it's so focused on the individual and, and it's like, I was stuck on my own. Like I couldn't do it. And there was no amount of like willpower or mental fortitude that would have cleared that out. Like I just needed the other people. I needed the small group. I needed those dyad relationships. Um, and it was about my ability to reach for those relationships 
that made the difference to me. Not not something that I had inside of me, but the willingness of those people in that that like, hey, we're here, we're here, trust us. So like that's important. Um, and then yeah, in retrospect, as the engineer, what was what did I learn? I think I think the high the 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 good part of it was um, well, I had a blast the whole time. Like after that distress moment everything else was good <laughs> for me. And I know it wasn't the same for everyone, but for me, it was brilliant. Um, and, and in retrospect, looking at it as a, yeah, from a more design or engineering perspective, I think what I loved was the, the immersive participatory approach to learning a bunch of stuff. You know, like we created a context that was not just about belonging and safety and trust. It was also about ambiguity and uncertainty and volatility and and confusion and what the heck is going on here and how am I going to be okay if we haven't got all of the expectations the way that I expected them to be like I thought this was going to happen but this is like how do I deal with all of that like we gave people a real genuine lived experience is like being in the practice not talking about it in some abstract way but just doing it and that that I feel was very successful the i guess the main regret that i have or something that i want to improve next time is to make that more explicit that that like that the we're doing these practices we're having this experience we're immersed in this participatory learning process but there needs to be this point of stepping above the experience and reflecting on it and and making the lessons concrete and saying hey look this is my language for what just happened what's your language and like how would you how would you encapsulate for yourself like what's the what's the principle here that we're that we're animating and and what's the take-home lesson and like what practices would you use instead if you were going to try and do this another time and think that concretizing the lessons i think is a really crucial piece of the work and it happened in little pockets but it didn't happen as a you know we didn't kind of design that as as this ad hoc hosting team and you know, next week we've got the online reunion. So people will get together and some of that will happen then, I think. Uh, this It's happening for me now, you know, just you all interviewing me that it helps for that to happen. It's again, this is this is demonstrating, I can't get these lessons on my own. I need to do it dialogically. Like I need to do it with other people. Your your perspective needs to, it shifts what what parts of the story that I tell, you know, it adds to it, 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 it refines it, it completely changes who I am. So, so that's the main thing, I think. Um, I guess the other part is that we we had designed for a fair amount of homework, as in we had four sessions before, we had four online sessions beforehand, and we thought that most people would come to most of those sessions and that we could do a lot of the setup work and expectation setting and sort of guide people towards different resources and help them refine their own learning question and all of that sort of stuff. We thought we could do a lot of work there. And we didn't get enough commitment or participation in those sessions to do the work that we anticipated. And then we didn't really recover from that. We just were sort of feeling the loss of like people had unmet expectations or unsp unspoken expectations and they didn't know where to put them. And yeah, we thought that it already would have happened and it, and it didn't happen and then we didn't recover. And I think if I'd been with a more experienced hosting team, uh, we would have noticed that we would have designed something in for the opening or like this, the first day, there would have been these moments where we kind of compensated for that loss. 
Um, but from my perspective, I'm like, yep, that's what happened. And it's good to learn what happens when people don't have clear expectations. Um, but that might be a bit callous. And I'm really curious about, um, yeah, what happened for other people, uh, people that maybe felt more lost or less satisfied with how things went down. Yeah, I think um, uh, that, you know, it was a nice setup to have those pre-sessions and I attended them, but I could see how if you don't have that critical mass, how that the ones who maybe didn't participate in that might come in kind of like what's going on. And then maybe there needs to be some kind of ground setting, but, um, you know, it is, like you said, a lesson of, of learning what works, what doesn't work and um, continue to build on it. I'm sitting here realizing I'm a horrible interviewer because all I want to do is go down rabbit holes. Um, there's like all these little things I just want to tug on. Um, uh, yeah, there's so many beautiful sharings there, Rich. Thank you. Um, like, like even, yeah, I would almost, I, I want to share for you saying like the starting point might be relation, like, like dyads or small groups. There might not be a starting point. And I think that's beautiful and complex as well. It's just like we're interrelated and interconnected all the time and it's weaving and we're feeling relational beings and it's not so easy of a step-by-step -step process but it's happening inside of us and there's different tools and 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 i found through an experience that i had there that um i had to process and move through some things on my own and it actually took me what i recognized was probably eight times longer <clears throat> it was um i can share this and then i um I have a question around like holding space and responsibility, but I kind of would like to invite Lisa Marie just to share any thoughts or feelings you had about your experience too, um, and frame that for the rest of the conversation. But um, I had a, a morning that I woke up and um, I went to bed feeling really connected and really like a deep sense of belonging. And my thought as I went to bed, it was this, after the second night was, this is beautiful. All of us are finding the pockets of belonging in different spaces. And I was in a song circle with a few people and I knew that my body for what I was going through needed to sing. And so I got to move through what I was feeling through song and it was beautiful. And another group was uh, doing a circling exercise. And so they were going deep and, and opening up and sharing for that. And I went to bed and then I woke up and just a little tired in a new space, a little off. And I just, I needed to, um, to be seen that day. And I need to have that moment there. And and I, we could go down a whole rabbit hole about this because it was a really fascinating nuance of a moment in a community space where at least from what where I was sitting, um, we had a plan on the on the calendar for uh, the the home crews to meet, and um, and that's what I was needing at that moment because again, with um, with different yeah the sense of belonging we're creating we don't have time and space for everyone to share in the whole group to feel seen and heard but by utilizing micro solidarity and using small groups each of us could find the moments where we can feel seen and then that actually fractals out and ripples and i feel belonging with the whole group now that i just feel seen in a small group um and so that didn't happen um and and i'm given the nuance of that because it was really fascinating as um um at least what i observed the group that went and got deep sense of belonging and connection in the circling exercise um, woke up and feeling really good and feeling good things. And it was like, oh, everything's great, but not everyone in the community was feeling that necessarily. And from those good feelings um, being present, um, there was an interesting moment of, of maybe unrecognized power that could have slowed down, but it was, it was in this, oh, feeling great about it, let's move on. And then went straight into the agenda for the day where I 
needed to be integrated for me not feeling in that space and then a little bit off it and recognizing that there was others in the group too because it was a small circle um and there's yeah there's a lot of nuance there and, and interesting dynamics of, of of almost the leadership team getting really gooey and lovey um but not everyone else doing it, but then um, maybe missed opportunity to integrate people into that. And that was something that, that I noticed. But um, I think the, the thing that I realized later in the afternoon is I went and resourced myself because I wasn't being resourced in a small group. And it took me like eight times longer. It was like, I, I, it is eight to one ratio. I don't know if it's true, but it was like, all I needed to do was have 30 minutes with my HomePod, tell people, hey, I'm sensitive, I'm raw, I'm a mess. I just want to be seen held a little bit, cry a little bit and just be seen in relationship. But instead I went alone. I processed alone. I, um, I lied down for a bit. Eventually I went out in the woods. I screamed, I moved through things alone. And that was just a really fascinating like insight for me of us as feeling relational um, beings that we need to co-regulate. We need to find our center in relationship. And it could have been 30 minutes in the group that I just need to be seen, or I could do it alone. And then I came back and it was there and I still had to be seen in that in relationship but for me to come back centered it took longer um, alone and so again the inter interrelated interconnected parts of these fractals and how we're feeling that sense of belonging were fascinating to me um, and it all happened exactly how it was meant to happen as always it was amazing insights for me um, but um yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, absolutely. The uh, I do want to invite Lisa Marie, if you want to share anything that um, were things that came up for you based off what you've heard from Richard already, or just share a little bit about your experience there. Um, we've got 25 minutes left um, for this conversation, and I'd love to, to, to continue to weave into, um, we all learn things, and we all have learnings that to, 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 to fractal out from here. Yeah, I, um, you know, I really enjoyed it myself. I came to the event just wanting to meet people who had similar thoughts as um, I have. And so it was just, um, I had no expectations coming in. I just came in like, all right, these are going to be probably interesting people. Who are these people? Let me meet them and get to talk to them. And so um, just going throughout the, the week and um, just meeting different people, having different conversations was really fun to me. Um, I do think I, um, and I feel like this happens to me also when I go to conferences, I go to everything. I go to like, whatever the schedule says, I'm following the schedule. And that's just me as like a planner rule follower type person. And I think I probably could have set aside more time to like rest because I'm the type who's often like holding space for people, giving advice, talking. And I was doing a lot of that. And so I think one of the nights I just went to bed early because I just needed to rest um, and, and really like rest. And I think that was something that I learned was just like in a space like this where everyone is a community builder, they're wanting to build relationships, they want to share ideas that I definitely need to set aside time to kind of like uh, re-energize myself. And I'm also kind of an introvert. And it was just like a lot of talking, a lot of interaction. So I would say that was probably just for me on a personal level, a learning that I just need to apply to all spaces of going to conferences and events and always wanting to talk to people, but then realizing like, this takes a lot of energy to think about these kind of things. But it was just so fascinating to learn from everyone to kind of see, um, I guess like, I don't even know how to describe it of kind of like 
when you put all these type of people in a room, what happens? And it was just so interesting to see like, you have kind of like hippie kind of thing where around fire to people dancing. And then you also have like this learning aspect where people are nerding out on these like random topics. And so it just felt really cool just to be in that space of like, oh, what happens when you put a bunch of community builders together? Like we're gonna talk about community building and build and and it's gonna get deep in certain ways. And um, yeah, it was just, it was a really cool experience and I'm happy I went, I'm happy I got to like, see this concept in uh, in action so it was cool it was cool for mm. me um can i just pick up on one of the things you said there sure um about rest so like i said i've done a lot of these gatherings not just as a host but as a participant and always every time there's a bunch of people at the end who say like wow i'm exhausted i wish i'd taken more rest and so sometimes at gatherings when i'm hosting i tell everyone that at the start like there's a lot of you that are going to get exhausted and you're going to wish that you did less. And like, when you look at this agenda, you have to remember that there's like this little block on the wall that says four o'clock, we're doing this, but there's the rest of the wall, which is all of the freedom. And at four o'clock, you could be going and doing all of those other things, which are going to the forest or having a, having a nap, whatever. And it's somehow I'm resigned to the fact that there's no way to communicate to people beforehand. You're going to overdo it and you should rest. <laughs> They just don't, I've never found a way to communicate it. And it's, mm -hmm. yeah, it's a puzzle. And and I, I could, I would be happy to structure, you know, like we had two hours as the lunch break, for example. That's a lot for most kind of conferences. And I would be happy to just, I've been to a, a retreat once where we worked all morning and then all afternoon was off. And then we got together again in the evening. And that's really good for me. But whenever we put breaks and things in there's the, the more breaks we put in the more pushback we get from people saying hey i came here i'm fit i'm ready to go and i want an intense experience let's fill it up and so i'm always in this tension of like and i i'm one of these people that's high energy so i just i'm like right well i'm just gonna give people opportunities to fill up as much as they want and trust that they can rest if they want to and know that a big percentage of them should rest but won't and <laughs> it's just a puzzle of being a being a convener it's tough because I mean there was rest on the schedule to rest. I just didn't rest. <laughs> I like I just was like I don't need rest. I don't want to take a nap. Like and it's like no, you probably should have used that time to just like go sit off to the side or something. One cool thing that happened in in um, Belgium. Uh, so there's a whole principle here that that came to me is that it's called make memes not rules. So a meme started in Belgium which is one of the um, one of the tables in the in the dining hall they put a little sign on it that just said silent silent table and so if you needed a little break you could go and eat your lunch with the other people who were not going to be talking and and so and more and more people joined over the course of the week because it was a longer one um, more and more people found like oh this is a place where I can be quiet but not feel like I'm a weirdo or like I'm not going with the flow of the group or you know like that no here's a space for you to be but also to be not stimulating your brain a lot so that was a really cool example of a someone just making this gesture hey I'm going to put this little sign on the table and then it kind of had its own natural mimetic fitness I have a question but first I wanted to share something on well that too but also the resting part it's that we are 
we're growing our capacities right now and stepping into something new. I think this is part of the co-creative emergence of like, how do we be in community together without a leader? How do we all take responsibility? And it was something I shared at the end of, of it was it was the big stress point for me or the, the beautiful struggle, which was taking responsibility for caring myself, taking responsibility for caring the relationships that were like feeling really close to me that I felt like I had to support. And then taking responsibility for the collective. And that's a constant dance. And as we each get better at doing that, we can actually trust in emergence of it, of people stepping in when their capacity is right and recognizing that we all have these gifts and it's all able to kind of come together there. Um, <clears throat> but for people that are used to structure that says nap time is this or whatever, all these different things, it's like, we've got to figure it out ourselves and actually go through the messiness of it. Like, like fucking with the people pleasing side that, or, or, or the stories that we have to show up for everything or like the things that are like, um, um, I'm going to disappoint someone or let somebody down or like, I need to show up to whatever it's taking care of ourselves and filling our cup so we can fill others and then finding a way that we're filling our cup and it's overflowing. And that's just what's constantly happening. And then other cups are being filled from the overflow. Um, actually one of my favorite moments, Lisa Marie was, was when you took your thing off of the board, that was hands down my favorite. And, um, I won't get into the whole story of it, but, but we had this kind of little ga little talk on like leaning into our edges and it was like, I don't know, Lisa Marie, would you want to share it? Yeah, I um, we were talking about like leaning to our edges. What would we do? What's one way we could lean into an edge? And I was like, honestly, I didn't want to put up a session on the board, but I felt like I, and because I'm like a rule kind of follower, I was like, oh, we're supposed to co-create and we're making this schedule. And then Jordan was like, you know, like when you co-create, you don't actually have to do that if you don't want to. And I was like, oh, that was like a light bulb moment. And um, everyone in the group was like, do you want to go take it off now? And then they, I think Jordan put on some song. Um, I downloaded AC, it. ACDC. AC, yeah, ACDC. It was so And I great. went up to the board and I pulled it off and I just felt so good. And it was just like, I don't have to follow the rules. I don't have to follow the structure. I don't have to do a session if I don't want to. And um, I just ripped it off and it felt really good. That was me going to my edge and, and pushing myself. That's so good. <laughs> I can picture the whole scene. Yeah. <laughs> I think you came in right after and then, and then mm. sat down and actually, uh, um, yeah, invited you in to, to share something like that, but to mm. have an experience like that too. It's super beautiful. Um, before we get into like the post-gathering and um, uh, some questions of, of the experience that you've had since, the one question that I... I, um, I think I, I personally kind of... You, you shared this with me, but, but for the broader... Um, uh, audience here, diving into the responsibility that you held still. What was that dance like? And, um, and where was that? I think mm -hmm. as, um, as we're talking here and this, it's really, you know, it's, 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 it's a skill for facilitators to hold space and guide someone through an experience that can be deeply transformative. But the process of, in my experience, a lot of times that's not filling your cup all the way. And, and, and like, I even had close friends who held a, like a restival and it was for a hundred people to, to, to rest and it was meditation and all these things. But the organizers, they didn't rest at all. They just, they, they, were, they were destroyed, depleted by the end. Um, and so this dance of stepping into, we are all developing the capacity to, to uh, the capabilities to, to hold space together and to do this on, on a larger scale. But still, you, um, you were the convener. 
you were the the host in a way. And so what was that flow like of where did you take responsibility as like, this is it and, 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 and needing to make sure the container was a certain way, especially from, from, from how you are and from kind of the engineering mind. Um, and then, yeah, just what was that dance like and any learnings or ways you would have done differently, um, especially thinking about the core things and needs that we had to step into that co-creation together? Yeah. Um, so to me, the, the gold standard of facilitation is that I finish with more energy than I started. That's where I'm at. That's where I'm aiming to go. And that's one of the reasons that I've learned to never host alone. Because when I'm on, my, if it's just me, I have, there's just too much work. There's too much just trying to track all of the different social dynamics and I kind of get obsessed. But when I've got a team, it's like, okay, between us, we can take responsibility for certain parts and it becomes manageable. Um, and in the past, I would host a retreat and then need two weeks to recover. Um, if it weren't for one thing, this one would have been completely effortless. And it was just that because of the COVID thing, Nati wasn't there. So like every night, like you said, you, after that circle, you felt like the team had gotten really bonded. Like, yeah, I felt really connected and bonded. And every night I felt really super warm uh, and connected and like so full of enthusiasm. And then I would go and sleep by myself when I'm usually sleeping with my partner and wake up alone and know that Nati's in a hotel room sick with COVID by herself and just started every day completely like heartbroken, you know, like this sucks. What, <laughs> why is Nati not here? She's done so much work to make this event happen. Why is she like, surely in retrospect, I think there would have been a way that we could have included both someone who actively has COVID and someone who's really concerned about catching COVID. Like there would have been a way to structure that. Um, I, I didn't have the confidence to do that at the time, but like in the future, I think, I, I think there's ways of doing that. And that would have like completed the whole, my whole system would have been intact then. Um, and then I, it would have been effortless, but it was effortless uh, besides that, because Abby stepped in with such competence, like Abby's got so much experience. She's the co-director of like an anarchist school. So this kind of thing with 30 adults is like, easy <laughs> um drew got there on the on day two and he's got heaps of competence as well and so much grace and we've got so much ease working together so like i just i just felt like i wasn't making a heavy lift um after that basically like i said to that that emotional moment that i had with steph after that moment i didn't feel any stress at all zero the whole way through so it was just ease um but i was still working and it's a joyful work. It's a, um, my friend, um, Malcolm Ocean calls it negative effort. It's a, there's a kind of work that actually just gives you energy. And for me, that, that kind of points at the divine spark or what, like your unique contribution to the world is the thing that's negative effort for you to do. Um, and, and it's the kind of work where I walk around and I make sure that I've got some one-on-one -on -one time with everyone there. Or I keep an eye on like who are the little clusters and are, are sufficient people connected. And oh, th those two people seem like they've been a bit detached. Is there something that I can do? Uh, I'll make a few gestures to try and involve them in different ways. Okay, no, that's not really working. Okay, they're in their own, what we say, they're having their own workshop. You know, like <laughs> that's not that's not mine to fix. Okay, but like doing all of that 
attending that um, the three effortless for me. And then the other thing that I'm doing is being the ultimate authority in a way, ultimate, maybe not ultimate with a capital U, <laughs> but, but that uh, holding, trying to, trying to find where is the boundary line that's mine to hold. Um, so for example, I made it clear at the, at the gathering, like we're doing open space for the agenda and that's my decision. And there's no, no input and you can choose how you participate in that, have as much freedom as you like, but that's what's happening. We're not going to agree on the agenda by consensus, for example, like that's not happening. Um, and a lot of what was happening for me through the process was like trying to understand and refine my relationship to authority, which because I come into this work, um, I mean, probably like a lot of people, but specifically with my history, uh, I've got a lot of authority issues, you know, <laughs> I, I, um, yeah, I felt like I was on the receiving end of a lot of domination for the first 25 years of my life. And I don't want to replicate that. Uh, so yeah, I, 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 I try as much as I can to like leave as much freedom for people to, to have their own subjective reality and, and for me not to come and like squash it and, and to tell people who they should be or coerce them into doing things they don't want to do. But it's not as simple as it sounds, right? Like, the, the, like you said about being people pleasers, for example, like we're, we're constantly entangled in different social dynamics that mean it's not so easy to avoid coercion, that people feel subtly coerced um, because they feel something different from you than what you're saying with your words explicitly. Like there's just so many intricate little details there. So I don't feel like I'm very mature in my exercise of authority, but there was, there was one moment that was a good example where I feel really proud which was we were in a just one of the sessions. It wasn't my session, but the person who was hosting, they kind of showed up with a challenge that they're facing in their work. And they just said, I, I need to talk this through and get some support from you all. And uh, we we're having a great conversation. And and she, invi she invited or offered, I don't know, but I said, I'll, I'll help facilitate that process for you for this one hour session. So I kind of had the mandate to help with the process. And we're having a great conversation. And there was, there was, two moments, one, same person, one person shared something and I let them have some space. And then I said, okay, and now I think we should return to be in service of the host because they've asked us to. So is this this very easy, very graceful way of saying, okay, and I'm going to read the, redirect the attention back to where we said we were going to go. So that felt really good. And then the same person later on, I felt that they were talking longer than they needed to be talking. Like they'd made their point, but they were still going and going. And I just said, really just looked them in the eye and said, wrap it up in a way that they heard me and they wrapped it up and then the group moved on. And that felt really elegant as well. Whereas there was a couple of other times where I tried to do something similar, but there was just a tiny little, a tiny little edge in my voice, a little anger, you know, a little like wrap it up, a little just um, that, that didn't feel like a very healthy, not a, not, a, not a fully hygienic expression of my authority, let's put it that way. And so I'm like kind of tracking those things. Um, and I would love to, yeah, have I would have loved to have had more of a mandate up front for this is the kind of authority that I'm going to exercise. And if you don't like it, this is this is a this is a like a, a useful process that you can use for like dealing with that tension and metabolizing it and getting it 
getting it back to me in a way that I can hear it, like that we could have some kind of signaling. Like, I mean, even your example, Jordan, of like you woke up and you're feeling terrible. Like here's here's one process that you can use to like call in the support that you need. And yeah, maybe the agenda needs to change. And maybe the people that are taking authority need to hear that feedback immediately. And we could have made that really clear. We had planned to make that really clear, but we didn't. So um, yeah, I really felt the lack of that. And, and and I felt like I just had to go off my best intentions and everyone's good faith and goodwill and kind of worked. <laughs> but like I say, it wasn't perfectly engineered. Yeah. Um, there is a lot there. But... Because I noticed one of the times that you shared something with someone else that had the edge to it. And it was like, uh, it, was, it was a moment where, yeah, yeah. And sometimes our interpersonal feelings come tied into things too about how we show up for others based on our previous relationships with them um, and dynamics. Yeah, go for it, Rich. I just want to say some more about that edge thing. So yeah, that I don't know if you're thinking about the same person I am, but there was one um, where we had actually pre-established a lot of kind of giving each other tough feedback and being really direct and honest with each other. And so I felt fine about pushing them and I pushed them more. And, and we had this relationship of, yeah, let's bring it, bring it. But what I was concerned about was all of the people like you that didn't have that context and they see me interacting in this way, like, what are they, are they like, is he going to, is he going to snap at me next? You know, like that, I, I thought I might've triggered off a whole bunch of stories of like, oh, I better watch myself because otherwise Rich is going to snap at me. Like, oh, don't want that. Like, I thought that might be kind of rippling out through the space. It's not where my my, my heart went to, I need to care for this person. And uh, and then it, it led to, uh, and again, it was caring in a way that's real love, like being like true. And it was like, I, I think we're talking about the same thing, I assume. Um, and it was like, okay, I'm going to show up out of care and love and I'm going to call you out on shit too. Um, and like, that was, that was a, a beautiful dance for me. Um, so we're getting towards the end of, of kind of the time. Lisa, do you have any last, like maybe a last question on the kind of the post event or anything that might be just anything like feeling alive and curious in you? Um, there's so many, I'm trying to decide what do I, what's the, the final or one of the final questions to ask, but I guess, um, something that I think is interesting is like, as as you as someone who wrote this essay on micro solidarity and came up with a vision how do you separate um a one person having a vision but trying to bring a community to life through that vision so that it's not like directed by one person it's a collective idea so that's kind of like what's the future of micro solidarity if the vision's in your head but it's a concept that means it's a collective um concept Mm, great question. It's so um I don't know. <laughs> it's so hard. I um I feel like I'm moving towards clarity on that, like it's coming. Um what I what I see happening next is a recurring cycle. Maybe it's a monthly cycle and and uh and a small team. So I um Honestly, I would love it if either of you are interested in, in stepping into the circle, actually. Uh, just the way that you've initiated this kind of conversation, that's the kind of energy I'm looking for, is people that have that sense of like, yeah, I want to do something here. I want to step forward. 
I'm imagining there's like five of us, six of us maybe. We meet once a month and there's a kind of forward-looking thing about what work do we want to do in the next month? And there's a backward-looking thing about what are we learning from the month that's just been and like what adjustments do we want to make in the way that we're organizing, you know, that sort of meta-reflection level. And that in that monthly cycle, one part of the work is just to get my what's internal to me external. And as it becomes external, um, make it more co-authored and then eventually almost like de-authored. You know, I've done collaborative writing processes where there's so much, so many different people editing each other. You don't know whose words they are by the end of it. I'd love to get to that stage. Um, and I'm starting to map out what are the different categories. So there's like, there's a whole fundraising piece, which you've participated in already. You know, there's a whole communication, both on the like accessible storytelling, but then also in the deeper theory and how does this connect to all the existing wisdom on these topics? Um, yeah, there's just like one after another, there's, there's physical spaces and upcoming events, all these kind of things that uh, are, are tracks of work that could happen. So just getting all of that out, I think starting to sketch in rough terms, like what are some projects that we could imagine people stepping into? Like what are, there could be a, a podcast working group, you know, and it's three people who are just excited about creating new content once a week or something like that. I can just imagine over the next few months, I imagine a, a network of sort of voluntary groups coming online, each focused on a little part of the system, synchronizing through this cycle, doing a lot of asynchronous collaboration. And then if it's true that, that, um, that, there's that there are enough people that are willing to do some of that voluntary contribution, then I would use that as credibility to attract sponsorship. To say, look, we've got seven different working groups, each with five different people. They're working in a hundred different communities around the world. This is seriously doing some good. We need to get funded. We need to have a few people that are getting paid full time and we need to be able to deploy grants here and here. And, you know, I can sort of imagine that stuff happening. And it's, uh, I don't know exactly what the time frame is. I'm trying to proceed, um, you know, growing at the speed of trust that, that, so Adrian Mary, Mary Brown, maybe that says that, you know, like just actually feel how quickly does this thing want to go? It's really important to me that this is a network that prioritizes the practitioners and prioritizes the, the embodied lived experience and not prioritizing the theory or the storytelling or the hype or the hashtag or the like, wow, it's the next big thing. It's the, it's the crypto, it's the whatever, like, yeah. So it needs to grow at a, so I'm holding, for example, I'm holding a, I decide how fast we go for now. Uh, that's really important to me. And, and I've got, um, having been working towards this for the last, especially for the last 11 years, um, I've got a lot of knowledge that's been built up as intu intuitions. And I want to unpack those intuitions into like, oh, look, this much is really great. That's very sensible. And now that it's unpacked, other people can follow those as principles. And this much is your bias and misunderstandings and your childhood stories and all this nonsense, like <laughs> go through that whole process of unpacking and, and filtering. Um, so yeah, I can see opportunities for people to, to plug in. And then the other piece of that is, I'm not sure about this, but I'm, I'm testing out the idea, testing the feasibility of running a maybe three or four month online peer support learning cohort for community organizers to really go deep um, 
and and to attract some sponsorship for that too so so that it's affordable for people to come and i can get paid to spend you know two or three days a week on just doing micro solidarity work and not having to be in my evenings and weekends but really making it more of my full-time gig so yeah it's just about attracting the energy shifting the priorities getting that flow happening and doing it in a graceful way with enough reflection so that we can course correct every time my shadows get in the way and i can imagine over the course of a couple of years it could easily be completely co-owned where i don't feel like i've got a particularly special role to play i've done that with organizations in the past um but it's just that this organization is more precious and uh ambitious than anything i've attempted before so we'll see if we'll see if we can collectively pull that off thank you thank you yeah um before I get into closing, there is, there's this juicy, like, I don't know, how, there's something around source and power and co-creation that it feels really like un, like accepted or unrealized for a lot of communities taking this where it's, um, I think when a vision is dependent on relationships and co-creation, the spark or the person calling or convening has to take responsibility and name what is like theirs and what's not. And I've struggled with that with a lot of communities that are starting up of wanting and not knowing where to give up and what to, where to take. And it's the two analogies I've had. And I showed Lisa Marie yesterday. It's like, <clears throat> I need to know if I'm being invited that, okay, we're going to build a train and we don't quite know where it's going and we're building all the cars and we're building it from the ground up. Um, awesome. If, if, if that's happening, tell me, and I'm going to bring all of it. If the train actually is kind of already going somewhere and just needs these cars built, I'm cool for that too. And I can co-create from that lens, but I need to know that. And I feel like, like there's something there. And so I think um, the two things I really liked what I heard there are leaning into responsibly naming that and also taking responsibility for putting relationships first. And that doesn't mean co-creation like uh, breaks everything apart and then allows too much. You can have co-creation, um, well, like relationship building and trust building and like deep belonging as the train is already set. And so it's not necessarily needed, um, but that nuance and, and like that, that, again, as like naming it, taking responsibility for it is, is I think an edge for a lot of people because they don't want to have that power. They don't want to name that as a power. And there's a lot of, dynamics that come with identity and privilege and, and, and what we're stepping into and what feels right for the time. But it's, it, it's, there's, there's something there um, that leans into it. And also, like you said, bring in relationships that catch your blind spots and constantly course correcting for who you are naturally um, and doing all that. And so um, we're five minutes past the hour, which means bright and early for me, but, uh, but, but evening and afternoon for you too. Um, and so maybe we'll just do one round of closing um, call it kind of complete on the recording and then just, um, yeah, some quick thank yous there. Um, Lisa Marie, would you like to start or anything alive in you that you want to get out either? Um, I'm just really excited we had this conversation. It's great to learn from both of you all. Um, I think this is important work thinking about um, how do we work together. That's something that's important to me. And, and um, I really just enjoyed this conversation. I, um, I appreciate you both for, for sharing thoughts and and um, discussing this, so thank you. Mm, yeah, it's a real pleasure. Um, I'm thinking about how 
Yeah, it feels very supportive to have people show up and say, I want to help excavate the lessons. And not just for the three of us, but to know that we're inside of something bigger and that that those lessons, I mean, I'm thinking about the people who are at the gathering that will review this and hopefully get a new perspective on their own experiences and crystallize some ideas and, and also, hey, wait a minute, that really didn't match my experience at all. And I want to hear that, you know. Um, and then the wider and the wider and the wider circles of that of of people that can metabolize these lessons. It's super important to me that we are learning how to accelerate the learning process in an intelligent way, which means let's make our lessons portable. They shouldn't just be stuck with, oh, I had this amazing experience and it's just my private lesson. No, there's a way to package that so that it's relevant to lots of people. Um, so yeah, super grateful to the two of you and grateful to who I'm anticipating might be listening and having their own process and kicking off that thing. It's really, yeah, it's really wonderful to be part of a network that's coming alive. That makes me also want to invite if anybody, especially from the gathering, has any thoughts, record a little video and send it back. And then we're just going to flow of these videos of reflections um, that feels juicy and alive. And, and if you're watching, do it right now. Do it what's alive in you. This is this is the this is the pokey the pokey ask at the end. Um, yeah, just drop your shit. Don't don't put it on today tomorrow's to do list. Just uh, yeah. <laughs> record fifteen minutes and share what's alive in you. Um, I um, yeah, I thank you both. I, I I feel nourished from this. This is a beautiful way to start my day. Um, I will end the recording here, but um, but thank you everybody for listening to. Um, this has been a gift. It's been a gift. <laughs>